This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor, and this is Then What? With another story of a big then what business moment which transformed into real success made possible by real leadership. I talk just openly about finding something that you're passionate about. And, you know, again, I, I hope, you know, somebody could be one person, could be 10, can feel what it is that I'm putting out there when I say that. When you find it, lean into it because it is an amazing, inexplainable experience. Balance and positivity are important for health, wealth, and overall success in business and as human beings. Perhaps no one knows that better than Mark Samuel, founder of I1 Organics, a health and wellness platform offering flavor-infused organic protein snacks. Ultimately, Mark launched a brand that projects both balance and positivity, propelled by the belief that everyone should have access to non-toxic products. By simply putting one foot in front of the other and achieving small wins daily, he succeeded in moving to the next level of the business. And he's leaned into his passion. First of all, thank you, Mark, for being on this podcast and taking time out of your day to come talk to me about your journey. It's my pleasure. Let's rock and roll. Of course. So your name of your company, I won. Your slogan is I'm winning in nutrition. What was the first time you said I am winning in business? <laughs> I don't think you ever say that. If you say that, you're... <laughs> I think you I don't think you ever say that and I don't think I ever have said that. Business in itself whether or not you're operating a company or you're involved with a company you're on a team it's just such a journey and I'm a big advocate of that and that sort of mindset and discipline. You're not getting to some end goal. So as far as an answer to it I I'm actually more a believer in in the journey than anything else. No, that's so true. So that's amazing. When I was looking at your background or like seeing kind of what you've been doing over the past few years, it looks like you you came from kind of a fitness industry, right? And have been there for multiple years and then decided to kind of start a consumer product goods company, which is kind of interesting. I feel like consumer product goods companies is probably not the easiest, easiest thing to start. So like, how did that happen? How did that transition occur? Yeah, the last few businesses that I had started were in health and fitness. And previous to I went Organics, I had founded a couple consumer product companies in the bag space. So consider them travel bags, but our niche was what we consider meal management bags. Mm -hmm. I always say that we, we almost invented that category for, for the health and fitness enthusiast, whereas we had invented a product that was an insulated on-the-go cooler that had independently accessible meal containers and things of that sort. So I'd say I cut my teeth 10 years ago getting into that space and health and wellness and health and fitness is, is my lifestyle. I've been what I'd consider a health and fitness enthusiast for 20 plus years. So finding this particular space and category really means a lot more to me. 
And that's not only how I found it 10 years ago, but that's why I'm, I'm in it now and why it's going to be really the long haul for me. Yeah. So how did you know that this is what you wanted to do? This was the product and this was it. As far as I want organics, the main thing was I looked at the food and beverage space, which was something that I knew I wanted to get into off the back of our last venture. And as far as eating habits and and the way that I talk about food and having a healthy relationship with food, I talk about balance. I talk about mm-hmm. balance in all things with life, but specifically about nutrition. So proteins, fats, carbohydrates, and all foods, all meals, all snacks, you know, and staying sort of on that course 85% of the time with 15% of indulgence. So with that said, I looked at the protein snack category and I saw that savory snacks, this was, you know, four or five years ago, savory snacks had a void. And that's really how I entered the market and chose that space. So then what? So like after you realized there was like a gap in the industry or like you wanted to get into the space, how did you even produce? How did you even try to see like, this is it, this is what I want to combine. Cause it's like an interesting combination, right? It's made from peas, rice, and beans, right? So how did this thought process even occur? Well, originally the first product was a chip. And so just like any venture, and I always suggest this to anyone is you make a couple calls, those in the space, and you really just what I call triangulate and get to where, you know, there's going to be a solution. And as far as the solution for for me and what I wanted to do, knowing that that was going to be the particular first snack, I had found a co-packer who was willing to sort of do some R&D with me on ideas that I had. And that was where the feedback was starting to come in week one, week five, week 10. I started to understand the production and manufacturing processes, what it meant, how ingredients has worked as far as whether it's in a fryer or whether it's going to be an extruded product. And once I had those findings, I was able to sort of move it to the next phase of the business, which is really just getting it from real R&D to a physical product and then wrapping our hands around what the marketing and branding elements were going to be. How did you sell your first product? Was it through online? Was it through what medium did you sell your first product through? We were lucky because we actually got a national launch at Vitamin Shop with our first product. Uh, I say lucky now, but in reality and in hindsight, our first initial product really wasn't our best. And that was part of the learning process as far as what does the physical taste texture product in food and beverage need to be in order for you to be successful. And a a subpar product is just not going to cut it. And And I truly believe and I'm transparent about it that our first product was just subpar. So Going back to distribution, we had a, we were lucky to have a national launch. We were lucky also to get through those first few phases as far as getting some sell through and also some mm-hmm. discovery moments about what needed to be adjusted and those changes that need to happen in order for us to get into the next phase of the business. That's amazing. And then what happened after that? So like after you guys were in vitamin shop and do you guys sell online as well as reta- uh, other retailers? Correct. Yeah, we, we have national distribution with, with multiple retailers, um, and we have a direct-to-consumer business. Initially, out the gate again, if somebody were to ask, how do you start? I'm a big proponent of doing you know sort of brick by brick, start regionally, uh, mm-hmm. start at a farmer's market, really get some sale data, get some sell-through. And then as far as the second and, and what is the matching component out the gate is a direct-to-consumer model. So you need to throw up your website, get your products on there for sale. It's easy. It can be done now with sort of a flip of a switch when it comes to the Shopify's of the world. And that's also where you're going to get some testing and data points. You know, are people buying? What is their feedback? And are they coming back to buy again? Yeah, no, for sure. What do you feel like has been your biggest challenges 
navigating the space of like direct to consumer and even like retailers and distributors? Well, food and beverage is, is a difficult business just in itself. So, so besides all the things that you're dealing with, as far as a cash component, um, it's an, I talk a lot about it's an expensive business. If you are scaling and if you do want to push sort of the pace a little bit and not play that smaller brick by brick regional play, which I had just touched on, cash is, is a necessity in this business in order to grow and scale. As far as the two differences, the Amazons of the world, it's a big platform and, and something that could be a powerful driver for you and your brand and your products so long that people are buying and continue to buy. With things like mm -hmm. subscribe and save and, and all those functions today, you can really create an ongoing and growing business in that category. As far as retail, for partners like us, we have Kroger and Whole Foods and SoCal and Sprouts and unbelievable regional partners that really provide us data and evidence of whether or not we were successful within the stores and what it is that we can do to be more successful. Yeah. I guess one of my questions that I have is even on your websites, you talk about balance, right? And like, I know that's one thing that you really focus on as well, right? And it's interesting because I feel like as an entrepreneur or like a business owner in a busy world, like balance is the first thing that like leaves, right? Whether it's work-life balance or balance within our diets, all of those things, you know, how do you kind of incorporate that into your daily life as an entrepreneur, as a father, as like a business owner, how does that work? And as a fitness enthusiast? Yeah, it's difficult. I don't talk on it lightly. I talk a lot about small wins. I, I just had posted about this. I have a, an ebook. Don't worry, it'll be free <laughs> around the idea and concept of small wins, things that I've implemented in certain categories of, of my life, both personal and business and everything in between with nutrition and fitness. Balance is, is just something that you need to address within yourself each and every day. Mm -hmm. We oftentimes just get so ahead of ourselves. And, and what I call on this spectrum, we're rising up so high and all of a sudden we're elevated. And then we have these really low lows. It's not healthy. It's not healthy both physically and most importantly, mentally. And I, I talk again openly about that mental health and all of those things that are, that are involved, whether or not you actually are dealing with it and you're running a business or you aren't operating a business and having a family that's important to you, kids and the like. There are so many things that are involved with your day-to-day -day living and, and things that come across your plate each and every day that finding balance and redirecting your energies and creating that space is really important for you to have. And I would just say that it's just about self-reflection. You need to every so often really check yourself, look at the mirror and say, all right, do I need to calm down here? Do I need to get some balance back into my life? And if so, you make those implementations at that time. And then, you know, you reassess each and every week just to make sure that you're in line. Has that come easy for you? Or do you feel like you were kind of naturally before even kind of starting this, this is something that you've always kind of were doing? Or was this something that you feel like you had to work on as you were building your business as well? I actually am the one that I'm talking to when I talk about it. <laughs> and you know, yeah. that, that's why a lot of people can, can relate to me, or at least they, they show love on that, on that level is I talk so openly about that journey. And again, that's what you should be doing, right? You, you know, even mm -hmm. for, for the snack business, it's like, it's a self-serving thing. I was looking for a better for you, uh, organics, you know, savory snack that would eventually have a platform. You know, again, we, we're excited. We're going to go in so many different areas of the grocery store over time, but it's all about balance. But in reality, you, you need to be talking to yourself. So I talk balance because I need it the most. I'm cut a certain way. I deal with mental health issues. And if I don't address those things, I can get really out of balance. So, you know, things like fitness and proper nutrition 
those are my mainstay. Those are the foundation to everything else that I do. And without those, I can't even sort of self-direct myself back into the balanced zone. So again, just talking openly about it and really being aware and self-aware is the most important thing. I 100% agree. And I feel like sharing your journey or sharing how you went through it can help someone else, right? And help them through their moment. Tell me about a time you had your moment when you thought this might not work. Some call it like a cry on the couch kind of moment and how you reset it and fixed it. I think that's every day. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you're getting checked all the time. I don't believe I've had, which I'm fortunate because of the way that we are scaling this business and the data that I have, there really isn't the, oh, this may not work. The thing that is a necessity that could get in the way of that is the requirement for cash. So if you can't come up with investment and you can't put the money in the bank, that is going to be a big, big problem. Mm -hmm. As far as previous businesses that I've been involved with that have, you know, have not had success, you get into a moment or a time within the business that you've done everything you possibly can. And based on what it is you're selling and how you're selling it and to who you're selling it to, there is no pivot. You know, oftentimes people use this this term that you can just adjust your business. Well, in some cases you can't. Mm -hmm. And it's in those cases that you should really focus on what is going to be the next move. And sometimes that next move, it's a hard one where you just say, that's it for this business. I need to move on to something else. Some call it failure. I call it just a fast track to to what potentially could be a successful opportunity for yourself. Yeah. You're 100% right about this cash, not issue, but I would say, but like the importance of cash, right? Like cash is king. You've Everyone's heard this. In the consumer product goods industry, especially, there's a lot of cash has to be invested first in order for you to scale up. If you want to buy the products, you know, your terms with your vendors might not be the the best and your terms with your customers probably are not the best when you're working with retailers and distributors. And so you need that cash to fund it. And there's always that daily struggle of cash flow, right? And the cash flow management. How have you kind of dealt with that? And have you brought in investors or gone through funding and things of that sort? And can you speak on that and your experiences kind of through that? Yeah, I mean, we're raising even right now, we have an open round close to a half a million dollars committed already. You need money. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just one of those things. If you are, again, looking to scale your business in our particular category of food and beverage, just the idea of getting a partner like uh, Sprouts or mm-hmm. maybe you got into Whole Foods, it takes money to not only put your product on shelf, but to produce it. So oftentimes I talk about it's not just necessarily your operational costs as far as you know those that might be working on your team and you need payroll and the like. I mean, how do you even produce all of those goods? If you're selling $200,000, $300,000 worth of goods a month, you need that money to actually produce it too. So, you know, there's just operational costs that come into play Whereas you need a good amount of money, you know, as far as even a line to just have revolving as far as money going in and out of the business. And then as far as, you know, when you're paid and how long it takes to get paid and sometimes a check is missed and things like that. I mean, that is sort of rule one with regards to building and scaling a business here. 
Yeah. And all your deductions that could have came with the retailers. So all the beautiful stuff, right? The first time that you got a sizable check or the company got a sizable check in your hand, what happened? Then what? What was the next step for y'all? Well, we just, you know, you just keep going. I mean, investment money is coming in. You're bringing on shareholders. You know, I consider them partners in the business, um, which anybody should. Uh, but mm-hmm. be, even before that, I always, I, I have a different mindset as far as founding a company and, and some would say, yeah, but you founded it. So it's your, I work for this company. You know, it just so happens I have a specific title. And I, I to be honest, I don't even care what the title is. I work for this company the same way everybody else does. And I have a responsibility to make good on doing the best work that I possibly can and making good on the mission that we have as a team and making sure that we are achieving milestones and goals each and every week, each and every month, each and every year. Having that mindset really allows you to not really change up anything once you do receive outside capital, at least for me. I mean, hopefully that Mm -hmm. strikes a chord with people, but once you really live in that mindset, nothing changes. Yeah. For you, do you feel like there was any strategic partner or advisor or, you know, team member that you feel like helped you to get to your success of your company? Well, we haven't really reached, you know, any, you know, great success because I don't really have that as, as a, you know, sort of a, a milestone in terms of the framework of the wording. We're, Mm -hmm. we're just doing a good job at, at everything that we said we were going to do. And we're that. living in a place of why, and I talk about that often, it, it is mine, you know, I, I, but, I, but I give it out there. I talk about this thing, you know, this North Star. And so long that we collectively as a team can ride on that and create growth, you know, again, each and every week, each and every month, then we're doing what we said we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we're successful? I mean, we're successful because we're still in business. And that to me is great. And that's what, you know, needs to happen for even to get an opportunity. But there are a couple of people that have been coming on and I have a couple more that will come on as far as advisory, as far as advisory board that will just have really great input as far as how to achieve the next growth phase. And that's, I just spoke about it, about openly about KPIs and OKRs, things that we don't necessarily have implemented now that I will just take in as as advice and get implemented to, again, help us achieve the next level of our growth. Yeah. So equate physical fitness with the fitness of a company. How do you look at that? <laughs> repetitions. <laughs> you know, repetitions. I work yeah. out six days a week. For, that's what I do in the morning. And oftentimes a seventh day is I call it a rest day, but an active rest. And I talked again openly why I need that. I need that for balance. It's my mental health crutch. But the thing is, those that are into fitness in in all realms, in my belief, they have something and an advantage when building a business because of not only the consistency, but the disciplines and the approach you take. And again, especially at the way that I do, I actively write my workouts the night before and things like that. And then when I am working out, the disciplines that I have when I'm working out, they really are a foundation to whatever else you're doing in life. In one case, we're talking about business and growing a business. It is about repetitions. 
you know, and getting to the next day as far as, okay, that's my next workout. And the same thing applies when building a business. I agree with that. I think it's interesting because like for me personally, like I used to work out so much more before I started my company. And then that was the first thing that left out of everything. And it makes a difference, I feel, in your sometimes your work and like your ability to work as much too and work as efficiently. Like, and so I saw that earlier on and, you know, decided I need to go back to working out, but I completely agree with you. So keep it they, up. They are, they are at an advantage. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on social media at Ellen Accounting and visit us or contact me directly at ellenaccountingcpa.com and subscribe to Then What Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. Are you looking for financial advice or an outsourced CFO or maybe just help with your books or financials? Well, let's talk. As a listener of the podcast, I want to offer you a free consultation call with me. Go on our website at lnaccountingcpa.com and book a call with me today. Again, that's lnaccountingcpa.com. When you reach out, please make sure to mention this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. The other thing I wanted to kind of learn more about from your journey. I was like reading about this on your blog about how opening a business or having a business during COVID time, right? You talked about the status of a company and your company and like the continued growth despite the pandemic. How was that for you? Like whenever the pandemic hit, were you concerned? How how did you feel and how did you kind of get past that and get to a growth? We were lucky. I mean, I, I often say we were blessed. We had partnerships already in place prior to March that were supposed to be set right at about March. And so those were actually affected in a negative way. But at the end of the day, we were still lucky. And I look at it as in a positive light because eventually we were brought into the stores. So we got pushed back a little in some, and then Mm -hmm. some we were affected right in the beginning because the idea of trial and exploring from the consumer was different. You know, being a new brand the ways that we could get new consumers to try us was one is demo in stores that's out. And then the second is just what I call a free flowing of exploration. Whereas a customer is standing in the salty snack aisle and they see I went organics and they go, ah, that, I've never seen that before. And then they look at it and they go, wow, this is a better nutritional profile than the other stuff I'm eating. I'll try it. Well, that didn't really happen in March, April, May. And for good reason customers and consumers alike, they went back to staple items. They went back to comfort foods, which I respect and I understand. We weathered those storms and we're lucky that at least things were opening back up and consumers were going back to trial a little bit. And then of course, because we also had a pretty decent staple of existing customers who continue to buy from us. So I talk a lot about just We're blessed to be in a situation that we've continued to grow. We could have grown even more in this year. However, it is what it is. And so you take your punches as they come and just make moves and maneuvers along the way. uh, And and that's what we've been doing. 
So during the pandemic, there was a lot of changes, like you just said, no demos, right? No expos that people had. What do you see for like the roadmap of I1 Organics? And what do you see as a trajectory despite not having these things anymore? We are planning for demos not to happen because even the new introductory demos of being, there's offerings of closed bags. They can't eat it in the store. Those aren't really a great play for us, at least for right now. So you just have to create your plan around what is actually happening, especially in a situation that we're in in the country. It's not the what if scenarios, it's what is happening. Let's create our 2021 plan around that. And that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And again, we've been blessed. We have a couple partnerships that, that are onboarding us for Q1 that we already know about. We're making enough noise in the the category that we're being, you know, sort of presented opportunities. And that oftentimes doesn't happen. So we, of course, are going to take those opportunities if they make sense. I speak openly about opportunities that have come our way that we've said no to. And it's not because we don't love that retailer. It's because we aren't prepared at this time to do one or one or the other. One is the costs associated may be too high. We don't see profitability in sort of a short phase business partnership. And three is we may not be ready brand wise to be in that specific retailer as far as the consumers not knowing about I1 Organics just yet. So you've mm-hmm. just got to play your, you know, your, your, your plan out and make sure that it's set and, and in order for what is actually happening today. Yeah, no, pivoting the business or, or not even just pivoting, but moving it along and adapting to what's happening is super important. What would you tell another like CPG entrepreneur that's trying to launch their brand maybe right now during this COVID crisis? Don't do it. <laughs> You're don't, like, don't start it. <laughs> don't do it. I say that kind of jokingly, but uh, half, of, half of myself, I'm not. This is a very, very tough business. And I get the question a lot. I get a lot of messages because I'm open on LinkedIn and I talk a lot about CPG stuff and our story and everything that's going on. So I get a lot of messages and I probably frame it around if you really believe in what it is that you are doing, if you believe in the product, if you believe you are offering something that is going to be desirable right? And you kind of Mm -hmm. have an idea maybe who that consumer is and the like, which again, you could find out later. But um, if you could put those in and you have a true passion, deep, deep, deep inside yourself, and you you got through all that, and you still want to do it, then go for it. (laughs) And what I would say is you start small. You go to your local farmer's market, and you have 100 units, and you sell those 100 units. And when you're done selling those 100 units, you come back home with that cash and you make 100 more and you sell them again. And when you have sold those units, you're looking for two things. One, did people buy it, right? Did they actually buy Mm -hmm. it? Two, did anybody come back for more? Especially if you're at a specific farmer's market, you see a lot of the same crowd. Did those people come back for more? Those are two really good signs. And I would say once you get past that, you, of course, also have your direct-to-consumer business, which I said was an easy thing. Throw it on a website. Start to sell online. Same exact thing. Are people buying it? And are they coming back for more? You're never getting 100% coming back for more. 
but you should have a good percentage of people coming back for more. And then what are the reviews around it? Those two first phases are critical in deciding whether or not you have true data to move to the next phase. How do you deal with advice from like your advisors, such as like attorneys, CPAs, strategic advisors, investors that you've hired or partnered with for guidance, but you don't necessarily agree with them? How do you deal with that? I guess I'm lucky I don't have those types of conversations, whereas there is some sort of tipping point or any sort of subject that we aren't in agreement because I don't do those jobs. When I go yeah. to, you know, we have a controller. So when the controller is talking to me about how we're structured financially and what our, what our needs are going to be, I am going to defer to him. Our attorney, who luckily I've known, there's two, but luckily I've known them for 10 plus years and they're just the best at what they do. And I say that objectively. I, I just know how well versed they are in corporate law and the way they are able to articulate subject matter. I'm not going to go over their head. They are here to protect our company. And I would defer to them to make sure that that happens. So I guess I'd say I, I'm lucky when it comes to that. That's good. In your business right now, what's the next step or what does it look like based on where you guys are at right now? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I'll talk specifically Loaded about question. 2021 is planned, and that is that is our next phase. So mm -hmm. we we have you know a pro forma, and and within the pro forma, it has specific partners that we either are already you know in partnership with, or others that we know are coming on board, and then the few others that we believe we will be able to partner with by let's say Q3, Q4 of next year. So you have that, and then you have your direct-to-consumer piece that's all involved. And those metrics are important because they have everything to do with your business as far as the production you're going to need, the turns as far as velocity that you believe you're, you're going to be achieving. And then in our case, the potential opportunity for a new innovation to be released. So mm -hmm. you know when you grab that and you're looking at one document, it really tells the story but it tells the story for you to most importantly, make sure that you're operationally prepared. And that's key to, you know, really planning out the next four quarters of your business. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was going to ask is like your product development, right? Like one of the things that I think almost all CPG companies still keep going is like, what's next from a product development standpoint and how does that look for you guys? And what has your challenges been with some of like the supply chain situations as well? We're in a good spot because we are still creating our brand and we are trying to build our brand as far as the consumer walking in the store and recognizing who we are in hopes that they've either had us or have heard of us. Mm -hmm. And the latter, of course, is what translates into them potentially buying us at some time. And so with that said, we don't need to go outside of our core SKUs, the ones that we believe in, which we have now. And, you know, I count them on two hands. Basically, there's 10 SKUs that we have now that are going to build that brand element that I just talked about. And that's what's nice is we believe our 10 SKUs are going to be able to allow us to achieve 3x our revenue that we're doing right now. 
And again, what's nice about it is that's not to say that we don't have other innovations in our back pocket, because we do. But yeah. we don't need to do speed to market on any of those things right now while we're brand building. I think that's good too, because it's always like build your brand and your products first that do well and then kind of innovate and bring in newer products as well. So that's great. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being on this podcast. And I genuinely appreciate you taking out the time and like explaining your journey to us. Well, any final thoughts that you would like to leave behind for our listeners? The biggest thing as far as starting a business is that you need to lean into your why. I'm lucky because I have now 20 years of, of startup experience in all different things. Won some, lost some, and that's brought me to where I am. And I'm really blessed to be here because my why is so big right now. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what it is. And I would just leave others with the fact that once you find that, once you can see it, feel it, touch it, experience it, lean into it as heavily as possible. And what's really cool is that may not have anything to do with building a business. Mm -hmm. I talk just openly about finding something that you're passionate about. And, you know, again, I, I hope, you know, somebody could be one person could be 10 can feel what it is that I'm putting out there when I say that when you find it, lean into it, because it is an amazing, inexplainable experience. And that's what I, I think I'd leave you with. And lastly, like, what does then what mean to you? I'm not into the then what. <laughs> I'm into the now. Now. I'm into the right now because we don't know what then what is. And if you can focus, and what somebody told me recently is, huh, this is an interesting one, is being present, which I openly have a hard time with, is being present that can change your life. And so I don't say it lightly, it's hard, I have to work on it and I still have a lot of work to do with it. But being present is important. So I, I, I hope that I answered that. No, no, you didn't. And that's so accurate. And I think I have a hard time doing it too. So, but it is something I'm definitely working on as well, being more present. Yeah, uh, they can find us at iwinorganics.com. They can find me on LinkedIn. I talk a lot about CPG stuff, sales, yeah. you know, just some fun stuff. Hopefully throw out some positive vibes. They can find me on LinkedIn. And that's, that's about that. Yeah. Thank you for being inspirational. I appreciate it. Being honest. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mark Samuel's passion comes through in every word he speaks and every idea he shares. Passion may not be the only ingredient one needs to build and succeed in a business like Mark's done with I1 Organics, but blend that with positivity and balance. And when the next then what moment arrives, you'll be ready and willing to take it on. Then What is produced by Ellen Accounting Advisor in partnership with Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. 
The views and opinions expressed are those of the individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of LN Accounting Advisor or Mouth Media Network. No portion of this program should be considered financial advice or consultation. Thank you for listening.